Welcome to Disco Coolia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Disco Coolia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Disco Coolia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. Happy Pi Day! Working memory and how it developed. About memory, why do I have to learn about fractions? And differentiation in the classroom. This is our podcast for week 11 in 2022. Welcome, Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Disco Kudia Services. Welcome, Dr. Schroeder. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we have a couple of nice links. Uh, the first one is, of course, a happy day, Pi Day, the happiest day absolutely. of all the days for the mathematicians. Now, what is magic with Five? that? 14. Yes, yeah, that's the day. Well, that's Here the, we go. That's the beginning, right? March yeah. 14 and then uh, 15 and a few more decimals. Okay. Um, actually, well, the magical thing is here that pi has so many digits. Um, and, and obviously the digit behind the decimal dot. Um, and there is no pattern. It goes on and on and on, but it doesn't repeat. And at least not in a pattern that has been discovered as yet. So the earliest known use of the Greek letter pi to represent the ratio of a circle's circumference to the diameter was by the Welsh mathematician William Jones in 1706. Oh, wow. And it's also referred to as Archimedes' constant. Okay. Now, the latest calculations uh, of the number of digits runs in the trillions. And still no pattern... Uh, discovered. And people use the calculation of pi uh, also to use uh, computers. So if you do pi squared and then divide, you need to see how many uh, numbers are actually, till how many decimals the answer is equal to where you started. Usually I, I did that with uh, doing the square root of seven and then uh, multiply that with right, itself and right. see if I get seven back. Usually you get 6.9 and a lot of nines, anyway. But uh, <laughs> okay. testing with pi is obviously uh, way more sophisticated. Cool. Well, that's uh, that's the happy pi day, and everybody has stuffed their uh, their faces with pi today. So that's a good thing. The next link is about working memory and how it developed. Now, what happened there? Yeah, this is a, a very nice article. I can uh, really recommend it, um, where the writer had assessed the development and history of theories about working memory. It's obviously a construct. We cannot see uh, working memory. We cannot hold it in our hand or say, can you give me half a pound of working memory, working memory please? That'd be easy, yeah. Yeah, so it gives us a 50-year assessment of the research that has been done and the various theories that have been developed about this really, really important part of our uh, brain functions. Now, working memory... When it does not work, there's no function, that it can cause major problems. Um, even when doing basic math, you really need working memory when you're doing math. Now, think about when you say uh, regroup tens and ones or right. tens and hundreds. Right. You need to remember the digit that you regrouped. Right. And working memory is the only one piece of that calculation, but it is essential. And the working memory is still a work in progress. I mean, the understanding of all the details, uh, I mean, 
And the assumptions of, of how it works have created a variety of theories. Mm-hmm. So most importantly for us, now working with children, with students, and, and sometimes also with adults who have this cochlea, is to find out if it works for your student, and if not, how to train it the best, or how we can support uh, their efforts by kind of um, scaffolding with like visual spatial organizers or uh, memory chunking and things like that. Okay, okay. Now, it's, it's interesting because the next link is also about memory. Yeah, How's it's, that? It's, it's a very interesting uh, topic. This is uh, also a, a really good uh, article from Eva Furst, and she explains here in great detail with lots of nice graphics how the memory works, at, at least what the current understanding is right. of how <laughs> right. it works. Right. Yeah. So she covers both long-term memory and the working memory. Okay. And um, what kind of processes work to store things, items, uh, new knowledge from working memory where it comes in, where you do something with it, into that long-term memory so that you can later on retrieve it retrieve for it. another okay. um, application. Now, she also goes further and talks about ways to train that memory. Very important, so that the article is not just um, scientific information, but it's really practical. I, I, It's a great background article. It's uh, highly recommended. Please click on this and read for yourself. Okay. Now, the next link, I must say, will be straight from the heart of many young people that I know. It asks the question, why do we need to learn the fractions? Very good question. Exactly, exactly. And I I really agree. It's always best to explain to children, or if you teach adults to adults, first, why you need to know about a topic before you teach them a particular operation. Now, retaining that information about the operation is obviously better when you know that you may ever need this. This is useful information. And Math Careers in the UK has a nice website that explains how fractions are used in the real world. Um, They mention uh, pharmacy, nursing, engineering, set design, and obviously architecture. and then more close to home for a lot of uh, people and students is, of course, baking and, and changing recipes. Right. You, you can't open a cookbook or you have halves and quarts and, and so on. Now, and that is so much better than just introducing fractions with those circles and making little um, partitions in there and then teaching students to work out the tricks to do operations, so to find um, equivalent fractions. Now, once students understand how something fits in real life, they will be so much more motivated to find out about it, to use it, and the learning will be more productive. There will be more retained in long-term memory. It sticks with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that explains that. It's a good website to go and look, and also have the students look at it so that they understand why we need those fractions. It already brings us to the last link uh, for the week, and that link talks about differentiation in the in the classroom. 
How can you ever do that? You got the bright students and then students that are years behind. How do you well, differentiate? Well, it's, it's definitely not an easy topic. And uh, I have tried my hand at it, but uh, I really felt it was tricky. And uh, this link actually starts with um, a question, what differentiation is and what it's not. Right. So as a definition, they come up here with uh, Carol Ann Tomlinson's overview of differentiation. And she uh, has described it as adapting the content the process or the product of the learning activity of the lesson according to a specific student's readiness, interest, and learning profile. That well, pretty much covers it. <laughs> easier said than done. Right. <laughs> now, that was the question. And how? And now we're going to try this. Um, because as, as we know, like, like you said, we have in a classroom uh, students that are a few years uh, behind other students are a few years ahead and then hopefully you have a big group in the middle who is exactly at where you were planning to um, to teach uh, with your lesson plan but um, we all realize that the differentiation is necessary that we definitely need to support our weaker students but also that we need to keep it interesting for uh, quicker students now question like I said how do you actually do that? And here the Teach Thought blog has, as a start, collected a list of no less than 50 strategies that are mentioned to make that differentiation work. And now they started the big work to continue to add to their resources over the coming time with comments, tips, and, and insights how to actually implement all those uh, suggestions. So must read for all teachers who experience difficulties with this. And a few options they mention are curricula mapping, inquiry-based learning, which um, is uh, more geared up towards the higher um, functioning students, um, power standards and enduring understandings, project-based learning, where you can really enter uh, all kind of levels in in a certain project they they call it um, low instep and high ceiling projects then you can change your classroom layout and design to help students with a different uh, learning uh, profile learning model integration just to name a few now some are clear and others i also need to say uh, definitely need some explanation and that's what they're now adding uh, step by step to the site along with tips how to implement it so that's going to be an interesting uh, read quite a job quite a job we're very thankful for those guys well thank you dr schroeder for helping us and and giving your views on the uh, on the headlines for this week we hope to see you again next week dr schroeder the founder of discoculiaservices.com and you can follow her on the interweb. She is everywhere where Disco Coolia is found. And she is on a quest to increase the number of Disco Coolia tutors in the country. And this is the year 2022. And her objective is to add 2022 new Disco Coolia tutors this year. So for all the information about that, 
please go to discoculiatutortraining.org. Discoculia Headlines Weekly is a production from discoculiaheadlines.com. You can find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and we are on Twitter at discoculiahead. You can also find us on Facebook, we have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for Discoculia Headlines or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments and contributions to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.